0: This competition is magnificent. You know I love the CONCACAF Champions League. I have for years. been watching it for a long time, and MLS is overdue and then some, but it ain't going to be easy. you got to beat everybody to win the thing, right? LAFC will take on Leon in that first leg, February 18th through the 20th, somewhere in that ballpark, and then the second leg a week later in Los Angeles at Bank of California Stadium. It'll be the first ever CONCACAF Champions League game at the bank and everything will be on the line in that. Oh, by the way, it doesn't get any easier if you get by there. Cruz Azul's taking on Portmore United in the other portion of your bracket. Elsewhere, Club America and Comunicaciones. Motagua will take on Atlanta United on the same side of the bracket with LAFC. So it's not easy. Other side has Tigris taking on Alianza. That's a good matchup. NYCFC taking on uh, San, oh, what is it? San Carlos, yeah, San Carlos, a new team in the end. Uh, Sounders going at it with Olympia and Sapresa and Montreal. That's a good matchup as well. Sapresa so tough, so not an easy draw for LAFC to be sure. But the toughest team, the toughest draw for anyone was León. They got uh, stuck with LAFC. As I look at these teams. It is, really, it's going to be magnificent. There are no easy outs. I understand MLS has a built-in excuse. And we've talked about it for years on this show, right? Early in the season. Not even really getting your foot feet wet yet. Yeah, that is true. And it is an excuse. It's true, but it's just that it's an excuse. Get after it. And we're seeing MLS teams doing better and better and better. They haven't fi- finished it off. By my estimation, Toronto was the best team a couple of seasons ago in this Champions League. Got beat by Matias Almeida and his Chivas side. It didn't have any business being the best team in that competition. They deserved it at the time. They played amazing football to win it. They weren't the best. Toronto FC was clearly the best team in CONCACAF that year, but you got to go win the tournament. And that's my point about the draw. Tough draw for LAFC. Yeah, okay. Tough draw for a lot of teams. So what? you got to beat them anyway. And what a path it could be. What is my optimal path for for LAFC if you just want to take this down in glory? And I'm not looking ahead because they could lose to Leon. Any one of these teams could lose to any of the other ones. I'm serious. I don't care what anyone... I know there's some teams where you're like, oh, that's... No, LAFC could have lost to anybody they were drawn with in two legs. Just like Atlanta United could lose to Motagua, just like Seattle Sounders could lose to Olympia, and Montreal could be dumped by Saprisa, etc. And Tigres could lose to Alianza. The first, I mean, yes, you have your favorites in these round, right? So you got to beat them all. You know the best path. The path I want, if LaFC is going to win this thing, Leon, Cruz Azul, Club America, and then finish it off with Tigres. Let's do it. If you're going to win this tournament and you want to snap that misery once and for all for MLS, let's just go. Four Liga Mackie sides, line them up. And if you got the strength and the guts to do it, then you do deserve to be legend. And you do deserve the Club World Cup. Monterey is heading over there. Speaking of Monterey, they get to the Liga MX final. Who told you they were going to win that first round? Now I didn't know it was going to be such a bloodbath in the Ligia, Did I? No. In fact, I had three predictions wrong in the first round. But we're already down to the finals. The day after Christmas, it gets going. the three days later, they'll have the second leg. Monterey and Club America, the sixth and the eighth seeds. <laughs> yeah, MLS is uh, you know their playoffs are nuts. Well, hello, welcome to Liga MX, right? But if you really look at it, these two teams are so good. I mean, Club America obviously in the Champions League. Monterey just won the Champions League last season. That's why they're heading over to the Club World Cup. Really fantastic final for Liga MX in the two legs. I can't wait. If I'm leaning towards anybody, I mean, the the tricky part is Monterey's got to go travel for the Club World Cup. Who knows how that affects them. But then again, they're also playing some pretty tough games, which could keep them razor sharp. Club America, a little time off. That's a tough one. I got to go with Club America to win. They're my pick. I respect both these sides immensely, though. You got uh, your thoughts on uh, Liga Ameki's final? Am I wrong? Am I just way off thinking that Club America, maybe Monterey, obviously with the Club World Cup, Still in front of them before this final. Maybe that's a little bit of an adverse effect. Am I wrong on that? Hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly here on ESPN LA 710. Big news out of the Champions League, of course. We've got the final 16. The draw comes up on Monday. We'll have more on that for where everything's going next week's show. But if you look at the seeded and the unseeded teams, it's loaded here. Somebody pointed it out. It's all the big leagues: Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Juventus, RB Leipzig, Liverpool, Man City, PSG, Valencia are the seated. In other words, they won their groups. And the unseated or second place teams: at Atalanta, Atletico, Chelsea, Dortmund, Lyon, Napoli, Real Madrid in that tough group A, or at least tough because PSG's in it, and Tottenham. So it's all Italy, Spain, Germany, England, and France, the big five, with Lyon and P- PSG. And You know what that tells me, though? No, it doesn't tell me it specifically, but it, it reinforces there are no great teams this year in world football. Now, someone could... Prove me wrong here from the final 16 onto the final. I think maybe PSG has it in them to be great. Barcelona, I guess, if Lionel Messi decides he wants to just go nuts. Same thing with a guy like Ronaldo. You can't put it past him. I just don't think he's, you know, Juventus is not a great team as constructed. I don't think any of these teams are great, which actually makes for an awesome final 16. There's really nobody you look at and go, now, you know, some people will point to, like, Atalanta because maybe that's a team that doesn't have this kind of experience. Maybe you want them coming out of the unseeded side if you're... But remember, you can't play a team that was in your group and you can't play a team from your country in the round of 16. So that limits who each team could have as opponents as well. Fascinating stuff with this draw, potentially. Uh, I mean, who do you look at as the clear cut? There are no clear cut favorites, which makes it even more exciting. That's why there is no great football club this season, and that's going to make it more and more interesting. I have no. Idea. You got to wait till the draw to see. Oh, who do you think is going to win? I mean, come on, who knows? No one knows for sure right now. It's wide open. Again, that will make it more, way more interesting than even in years past. Fascinating stuff. I'm looking forward to it. Rubbing my hands together because I am, can't wait for the CONCACAF Champions League, but we've got the Champions League UEFA style with a draw coming up again on Monday. Black and gold breakdown still to come. We've got Tom Marshall a little bit later on from ESPN FC as well. And stoppage time. I am Dave Denholm. This is Soccer Weekly on ESPN LA 710. Just a wonderful time to be alive as a soccer fan. So much going on here in the offseason for MLS Champions League over in UEFA. Everything going on. It is time now for my favorite segment. It is Black and Gold Breakdown. One, two, three, break it down. It's the Black and Gold breakdown. breakdown. Break it down like this right now. Black and Gold Breakdown here on the home of LAFC, ESPN LA, and it's an honor and a pleasure to be joined by the winner of the Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year Award in MLS. He is. L.A.F.C.'s top man, one of our favorites, Larry Friedman. Larry, thanks so much for taking the time. Congratulations. What did that mean to you to win that award? Well, first, thanks
1: for having me, Dave. And what it meant for me, or better said, what it meant to me to receive the Doug Hamilton Award was that it was recognition, not so much of my personal achievement or contribution but I represent the aggregate roll up everything that's happening at the club you know off the field Mm -hmm. John Thorrington, Bob Bradley you know and the technical staff they get all the high praise for the great things that happened on the field Uh, the rest of it The experience at Bank of California Stadium, the success we've had from a business perspective, the great community we're building with the 3252 and everyone else in our fan base. You know, it's all the people that I work with day in, day out who've made all of that happen, and that's how we get to this point where, you know, we get recognized with the Doug Hamilton Award at the club level.
0: Sure, sure. That makes sense. We are talking with Larry Friedman. He is the Executive Vice President and Chief Business Officer for LAFC, praising his people there, although I know they would praise you as well, Larry, for all the work you do. But you mentioned something there. You alluded to it, the on and off the pitch, and that synergy there. Talk a little bit. You can't have one, really, without the other.
1: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think we feed off of one another. You know, the, the fans... And the community get electrified by the great things that happen on the pitch, whether it's a Carlos Curler or a great defensive play. You know, I was just watching, so I have to mention it, the, the Muhammad el oh. uh, You know, unbelievable effort and save against Houston that changes the dynamic of that game in the middle of the season. So it's those kind of performances and the personalities and the giving that you see from the guys on the on the field you know beta Harvey, Tyler Miller, out in the community, Latif, and at the same time, you know I'm not putting words in their mouth because they've all said it that what what they get from the thirty two fifty two and our fans where you know an opposing club scores a goal at the bank, it just gets louder, yeah. And so I think it's an incredible, uh, you know, symbiotic relationship, if you will.
0: How does that happen, Larry? Because a lot of teams and a lot of clubs that are starting out, let's be honest, they got a long way to go, and that's fine. That's the way it should be. It happened so quickly and so pronounced for LAFC. Honestly, I saw it. One of the first things that caught my eye was training camp the first year, back in 2018, and at UCLA, because the training sure. center was still being built, and I just saw all the building blocks coming together. On the pitch, it looked good. Of course, there was some great talent sure. there. But with the owners that were coming to practice and hanging out, and the I saw, you know, obviously you and your staff and everybody, we were just starting to kind of it, – it just felt a little different right from the get-go for me, Larry. How does that happen? Because it is tough. To build something like this so quickly. It's tough to build something like this in ten years, fifteen years, let alone in ten to fifteen months. How did it happen?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for that. Um uh, and it's funny because when we first started on this journey back in October of twenty fourteen and we were entering a crowded sports market yeah. here in LA, and you know, in LA you're competing not only with other sports clubs for people's attention, but you're competing with the entertainment industry and all the other things you can do in and around L.A., theme parks, the beach. You can go hiking in the Hollywood Hills, right? So a lot of people thought we were crazy because we were entering such a tough competitive environment, not just in MLS because of the Galaxy's presence, but in the sporting market and the overall you know, just market in LA for people's time, attention, um, and fandom. So I think we, had, we were fortunate, as it's played out, a little bit of the right idea in the right place at the right time. And, and that right idea was this notion of building a club, and that we wanted to do this in a collaborative way with people who were interested in being part of the community. And I think that approach translated into early interest. I think we all felt everybody who was involved in this project early. Yeah. We felt like in a city and a you know metropolitan area, the size of LA, with its diversity, that the lovers of the beautiful game were here. Yeah. And we just needed to provide an outlet for what they were looking for in a club. Mm -hmm. And I think it really resonated with folks in the community that we wanted to hear from them. We wanted to include them in things we were doing from the very beginning, you know, like the the design sessions that supporters yep. came to at Gensler's office, where we showed them pretty pictures of the building we <laughs> wanted to build, but then asked, what would you do? What do you want? Um, and then I think as you roll forward to training at UCLA in 2018, getting ready for that inaugural season, you start to see, you know, the fruits of that approach yeah. where you have – you know, outsized interest for an expansion club entering play.
0: Absolutely. We are talking with Larry Friedman. Great stuff. And it's not just lip service for LAFC. That's what the fans realized. And uh, Larry is the uh, 2019 Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year from MLS. He is the uh, EVP and CBO for LAFC. And it's an honor, I would think, obviously, that award is so great because Doug Hamilton was just an absolute – Uh, gem of a human being more importantly larry and you are uh, walking in those footsteps and i and i feel the same about you frankly you fully deserve this award and you've lived up to his name certainly on it as well uh, throughout your interactions with lafc i don't say that lightly it's always a pleasure to run into you and chat with you about the beautiful game and our love for lafc continued success on and off the pitch larry i know you're a busy man thank you so much for taking the time and joining us here today
1: oh thank you dave and thank you you for all you do for our club um nothing makes me happier than hearing you call a goal
0: <laughs> i tell you what i say it to you you've heard me say it i know larry's probably gonna tire they make it easy on me i'll just say that it has been quite a wild ride and a dream for me without a doubt it's the best job i've ever had frankly and uh and all deference to espn la i love working there no doubt but uh, it has been a dream larry and thanks so much for making that happen too i appreciate it
1: now pleasure to be in this with you dave Take you care. bet. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Larry Friedman named 2019 the Doug Hamilton Executive of the Year in MLS and fully deserved, and we appreciated him and him taking the time here. He's a very busy man, as you might imagine here. The offseason, there is no such thing for Larry and his staff, the Executive Vice President and Chief Business Officer, Larry Friedman, taking the time here from LAFC. We appreciate that here on the Black and Gold Breakdown. Super pumped. I, I, t- I told you that. I've been super pumped to call a game since really a couple of days after the disappointment, of course, of losing in the playoffs, like almost every team feels except for Seattle. But that turns quickly to the next season. And I am super jazzed. And after talking with Larry, he is just such a great guy and such a great guy to be around when you're at work at the beautiful, you know, obviously at the beautiful bank of California stadium, I run into him a lot. So much fun to talk to him here on soccer. Weekly. We really appreciate that. Thanks so much to Mario Reeves for sending that up. Thanks to LAFC, Aubrey and Diego and, Seth and everybody over there for setting that up as well with Larry. Truly appreciate that. We still got a lot to get to here. So much more to talk about. Tom Marshall from ESPN F C will be joining me soon. Plus stoppage time. I am Dave Dunholm. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA seven ten. Tom Marshall, ESPN F C coming up. Next segment here. We'll talk L Tree. We'll talk well, Liga Mekis, the playoffs the ligue has been nuts we got the playoff set uh, the final set between club america and monterey monterey has to go to the club world cup we'll talk about that so probably not a lot of L tree talk a little carlos vela in there as well coming up with tom marshall from espnfc great front of the show news out of the la galaxy they uh re-signed defender daniel stearis 29 year old coming back he's been there four seasons already 102 appearances uh Guillermo barro Scalotto side knows they have to rebuild the defense. Uh, to say rebuild would mean you had some kind of defense, to be honest. And the Galaxy were one of the worst defenses in MLS. They were the worst defense to make the playoffs. And it kind of showed out in the game against LAFC, their second playoff game. Remember, they had the victory over Minnesota United, a bit of an upset there in the first round. But uh, yeah, plenty of goals for LA Galaxy with Zlatan. He's gone. Now they have to rebuild a defense. Daniel Stieris comes back after re-signing with the Galaxy. And that is a first step. I think Stieris was not a whole lot of the problem there, if I'm being honest. There's still a couple of guys on the roster that might have been more of the problem defensively. They haven't gotten rid of everybody. But they're going to have to add to that back line and shore it up big time if the Galaxy are going to improve. Now, in fairness, Zlatan didn't play any defense, nor would you expect him to. So I guess, theoretically, you might, might see a, an uptick just naturally if you get maybe a different, little bit of a different look, some forwards who are willing to defend a little more. But again, I don't live on that. You can't live on that defensively, expecting your forwards to do all the, you know, come on. Your back line has to be solid. And uh, Daniel Steris, again, not the problem. In my estimation, I think that's a good signing for the Galaxy to up, re-up him. And the season, but remember they got rid of Dave Romney. He went to Nashville in a trade, so they are rebuilding it. To be sure, we'll just see how that goes as it continues. The LaFC make a signing earlier in the week. Forward Danny Musofsky, bit of an unknown for most people who follow MLS. He had spent the last couple of seasons at Reno 1868 FC. That's in the USL Championship, of course. They are associated with San Jose Earthquakes as Musofsky was. He was chosen in the 2018 Super Draft with the 30th overall pick. So for Musatsky, I mean, 16 goals in 40 games for Reno. Obviously, you're wondering about the level. He's still a relatively young guy, although for soccer, he's not. He's got experience, but he's 24. And here's the thing. He can finish. If you're an LAFC, what do you need? You need a guy up front who can finish because you're going to get chances. Adama Diamande needs a little blow every now and again. little respite. little rest. Boom. You bring him in, Musovski. who knows. Right, we saw some danger out of both the Pettises up front. This team is going to create chances, we know that. And we'll see what happens. Musovski uh, played at UNLV in his college days. So he is on the roster, that means... There's there's plenty of forwards because, obviously, Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela in the 4-3-3. They're forwards. you got Fito still on the roster. You have the great Adama Diamande. So this team adds a piece there that maybe you don't know a a whole lot about. It'll be interesting to get to know him as the preseason. You've got to add some depth. Remember, we talked about it. Chiqui Palacios and Brian Rodriguez were the big signings for 2020, and they happened earlier in 2019 and were able to contribute. But you have to add some depth if you're LAFC. We all know that. Going into the CONCACAF Champions League so early in the campaign, you've then got MLS. You know, it doesn't sleep for anybody. You've got to go start playing MLS games right away. If you advance against a tough Leone side, these games are becoming fast and furious. So you're going to need some depth. And Mussovsky will likely provide that up front. Good for LAFC. Good for him. Let's. Uh, I look forward to getting to know him. Let me just put it this way. I hope I call his name an awful lot in 2020. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I am Dave at home. This is Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. If you miss any part of the show or if you just want to set it up to get the podcast, the show is then podcasted after, the, after it runs here on ESPN LA, after we do it. They uh, use the uh, taping of it and... Uh, Send it in a podcast form. I'm not all real good with the, as you can imagine, with the tech stuff. As you can obviously hear it in my voice. But the podcast is pr- up pretty quick after the show, when we're done with the show. So, if you need to do that, or if somebody you know loves the beautiful game, subscribe, rate, and review. Soccer Weekly with Dave down home. You can find it on the ESPN Pod Center. You can go to iTunes, wherever you get your your stuff, and your podcast. We really appreciate that. Again, Tom Marshall coming up, ESPN FC. we still got stoppage time to get to. I am Dave Denholm, Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. We're the home of world football here in Southern California, the home of the black and gold LAFC. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to broadcast in 2020 here on ESPN LA. The black and gold got a lot of things going on, and one guy we'd like to talk to about it, He's a good friend from ESPN FC, and he's on Twitter at Mexico World Cup. Tom Marshall joining us. Tom, what are your initial assessment of the draw for the CONCACAF Champions League coming up in February?
2: No, I mean, I think the first first thing that jumped out was obviously, you know, LAFC against Leon. Uh, yeah. Honestly, even I was actually at the draw and even kind of on my way, I was talking and I was saying, guaranteed Leon against LAFC. Just thought, <laughs> so, you know, LSU's first ever international, you know, official game in, a, in an international competition, and it's going to be away on the road in Mexico against Leon. Doesn't get any any harder. But at the end of the day, I think if, if you're a big club, if you've got a big club mentality, it's the kind of draw that you want. And I think fans both sides of the border are going to be pumped up for for the series.
0: Yeah, I, uh, my opinion was Tom earlier in the show. I said the toughest uh, draw that anybody got was Leon. They got the toughest draw in the tournament because they got to face LaFC, <laughs> and then, as we talked about, potentially, I mean, again, things happen. But LaFC might have to beat four Mexican teams to win the Champions League, which would be pretty incredible. What about some other highlights of the draw itself?
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just that the whole first half of that draw oh, is yeah. just like you know, like you say. And then, I mean, for all of the teams, I mean, even Atlanta. I mean, a trip to Honduras as your opener. Followed by potentially Club América in the quarterfinals, <laughs> followed by you know potentially a Leon or a Cruz Azul or an LAFC in the semifinals. I mean, you know, for for, for LAFC and Atlanta, uh, that side is amazing. And then the, on the other side, you've got you know Seattle and 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 Montreal Impact. but so really, if an MLS club is going to do it, I mean, you've only got one Mexican side on that that team on that side of the yeah. on that side of the draw, and you think that that is an absolute ideal draw for. For a team like Seattle especially, I mean they'll take it every day of the week to play, you know, Montreal in a in a quarter final followed by Tigres in a semi final. I mean, um, it's really well set up set up on that side. But um but yeah, I mean I just think the Concave Champions League, the way they formatted now, is just so much better than it was because I don't know, I mean you can see real, real, you know, Liga M X MLS matchups early yeah. on. Um, obviously difficult for the MLS clubs with the with the schedule, but, um, but I think CONCAP has done a really good job in, in kind of cutting out that group stage for the Liga MX and MLS clubs.
0: I do think it's interesting, Club America, the run they may be able to go on. They obviously have some business to take care of here in the Liga MX East final against the Monterrey side. Let's start with Monterrey, I guess, because they've got uh, their eyes on two different huge prizes here, the Club World Cup coming up, and they got to travel for that. And then just literally it seems like days later they got to get back to Mexico and take on Club America. Uh, talk a little bit about Monte I mean, Monterey is good enough to handle it, certainly, right?
2: They're good enough to handle it. I mean, i tell you what, though. Nobody would have predicted this, <laughs> what, what Monterey are going through right yeah, now that's three true. months ago. I mean, the team were outside the playoffs. They were playing badly. The yeah. They were getting booed off the field. I mean, the atmosphere around the club was terrible. And then all of a sudden, a change of coach in early October. Um, and the team's now got, it's on a 13-game unbeaten run. Um, you know, I think heavy favourites going into Saturday's game against the Cafeteri team, and then potentially, you know, this, this is what every every club dreams of. Um, you know, you've got a potential game against Liverpool next Tuesday. uh, You know, obviously the the, the the current UEFA Champions League holders, and then you go back to Mexico and you've got you know Club America in in the league rank final on the 26th and 29th of December. So, um, an absolute opportunity for Monterrey. To, to finish the decade, really, a decade that will be re- remembered in Liga x terms for all the success that Tigres have had. But <laughs> Monterrey, the, the arch rival, can end it, um, you know, basically on a, on a real high. So, uh, but yeah, it's no surprise that they did, they, they have turned it on because the amount of quality in that squad oh, yeah. is—it's ridiculous. I mean, some of the players—they've got Uruguayan, Argentine, Mexican internationals on the bench. Um, so it is, it is a club that's built to win trophies, but. Um, but he has been phenomenal the way they just kind of flicked the switch and, and turned everything around in the last in the last couple of months.
0: Yeah, 100%. We're talking with Tom Marshall. He covers uh Liga Mackeys. He covers the Mexican national team, CONCACAF, of course. And he is at Mexico World Cup on Twitter. On the flip side, Club America, I mean, fantastic team in their own right. Do they have a little advantage with Monterey having to play in the Club World Cup? Again, quite an honor, and Monterey could do some serious damage in that tournament. I really believe that. But do they have the advantage, or is it more like we got to sit here and wait now?
2: I mean, you know, that, that's, the, that's the debate. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Mexican press right now, don't, we don't have much to talk about because obviously the, the final got postponed, but, you know, <laughs> that's the debate. Who does it yeah. do best? I think it suits America best, to be honest. Um, you know, I was just actually looking at a, a few articles, and, um, you know, Monterrey's flight from, from, from Mexico to Qatar was 17 hours. Um, you know, you've seen some of the Monterrey players post on Instagram. You know, Jesus Gallardo put a post saying, um, "You know, I can't take this." Basically, he said, "I don't know what day it is. I don't know if it's night or day. I don't know where, where I yeah. am." I mean, that's not ideal preparation to go into uh, to a major tournament like the Club World Cup. So, you know, that that travelling back from Qatar as well, um, and then on top of that, you've got the the final, the second leg of the final is in Mexico City. Uh, Mexico City is a lot higher up than, than Monterrey. And obviously a lot higher up than Qatar. So, so you've got the altitude factor as well in that second leg after yeah. a really draining trip. So I think advantage of Club America, we were just chilled out, you know, the staying at home in Mexico City, training, preparing as much as they can. Yeah, they might lose a bit of rhythm, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's not ideal for either, but definite advantage for me for Club America.
0: We are talking with Tom Marshall who covers Liga Mackies and talking about the uh, Liga final coming up. End of December, as Tom mentioned, because if you're wondering why well, there's that delay, it's the Club World Cup where Monterey were already obviously set after winning Champions League last season here in CONCACAF. Just such a great matchup though. I cannot wait, Tom. Uh, let me ask you about this. The, uh, the influx, obviously, Alan Pulido making the big move, sporting Kansas City. Rumors have it flying around a number that is just astronomical for them to spend on a fine player. They needed to spend the money. To get somebody. What do you think of the move for Pulido now, the latest to come over to MLS? I I think he'll do well.
2: I mean, you know, it's a reported figure. I think it's $9.5 million. For me, that's high, to be honest. I think that's a lot of money to play, to pay for for a play like Pulido. But I also think he's going to do really well. Um, You know, I think both on and off the field. So I think off the field, he's kind of eccentric. You know, he likes his flashy cars. He (laughs) likes his kind of. You know, he's featured in a rap video before. Um, So he he does like to kind of have a a good time off the field. But I also don't think that distracts from what he does on it. I mean, this is a guy, you just look at his physique. This guy, he works really hard in training. He works hard in the gym. Um, And I think he's, you know, he's at a good age. I think he's 28. So, you know, he's coming into MLS as, you know, the the highest goal scorer this season. So um, I just think MLS clubs now are seeing value in coming down to Mexico and I think they've realized that basically if you've got a player who's scoring a lot of goals in Liga MX, then there's a pretty good chance he's going to do the same um, you know, in MLS. I mean, yeah. Rui Diaz, uh, Gustavo Bull over there in, in New England. We've seen a lot of those players. And I think we're going to see more and more, to be honest, because it's a no-brainer. I mean, you can get a flight from LA if you're you know, the sporting director of LAFC or of Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You can get a flight to anywhere in Mexico in two, three hours. Um and and to go down to Argentina to go to Europe is obviously a lot lot. It's a, it's, a, it's a longer trip. Sure, sure. Um, And so yeah, I just think it's a it's a no brainer, and I think we're going to see more and more of these trades both ways, even if it costs a, a couple of million more dollars. I just think there's a it's an almost a guarantee. I mean, I know Brian Fernandez in Portland didn't work out, but to be honest, anybody who works in the Mexican game knew. The kid had big, big problems, and that was a major gamble, Yeah, um, which, I, to be honest, I couldn't believe he did it, but obviously, it's kind of backfired now.
0: And, well, yes, it did, but he did, He also was a good player on the pitch, set, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, more importantly, we hope he gets his life in order out off the pitch, For that's sure. more important, but he was also very good, you're right, it was a gamble, but... He actually yeah. performed pretty well for the most part. But uh Tom, we're talking with Tom Marshall here from ESPN F C at Mexico World Cup on Twitter. You know, it's interesting, Jonathan Dos Santos threw a little uh threw a little smoke out there recently talking about Carlos Vela and the Barcelona rumors again and uh kind of here they go again. Now Barcelona has denied that reportedly. No surprise there. You would think they would actually deny that. Is there still anything to that? You think what would what would Jonathan be talking about if there wasn't something to it?
2: <laughs> I'm not sure. My initially my initial reaction was that I don't I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I think last year you know everything made sense. Barcelona were clearly in the market for a player and a player, you know, with experience and Bella fit the bill. I mean, it, it did make sense at that point. Um, but this time around, I, I can't see it. I'm not really sure whether Jonathan Dos Santos is just may, maybe having a bit of a joke with his friends, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, Jonathan likes to have a, a, a bit of a laugh, so um, I, I'd be very, very surprised if if Carlos Vela goes to Barcelona this time round. It just it doesn't add up
0: in the same way that he did last time round. Yeah, too much going on, too, with the Champions League staring at you. You know, I mean, it's just... That's what LAFC are playing for. They're playing for trophies, MLS Cup, CONCACAF Champions League to take that next step to win, you know, to get to the club or or whatever. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. I I, I hope it was kind of like you say, just a little fodder between two clubs in the same city. And we all know how that rivalry is going already. So, all right, I would be remiss, Tom. I have to ask you, of course, about my beloved Toluca and Pachuca. Look, Pachuca, I don't think, I mean, Okay, they were ninth, but they never uh, they never really thrilled me, honestly, in this uh, apertura. But uh, Toluca's a hot mess, quite frankly. What is going on with my two favorite teams? Is there any hope as we head towards the Clausura? still? I mean, it's Liga MX, so there's, there's always hope. There's always... <laughs> you can be honest I with mean, me, you know, though, Tom. You know... It's not good. I know that.
2: No, I mean, you know, I think Pachuca they've obviously... Got a model in terms of producing players yeah. that has been massively successful, and the missing ingredient is making playoffs now and challenging for titles. Because to be honest, over the last few years, they've not they've not done that nope. with anywhere near the, the consistency that they should. Um, and with Toluca, there's you know obviously a lot of changes. Seniors come in. Uh, the old Mexico national team player, he's now sporting director. He's kind of getting to get grips with the job. It's his first major job, so you know there's always a question mark there. Uh, but he's gone in, gone in and replaced Ricardo levolpe with, with another former Mexico national team manager in uh, Chepo de la Torre. Yep. So, you know, we're going to see with Chepo, I mean, he's kind of been, you know, he, he was at Santos Laguna for a spell. Um, I think there's still question marks going uh, surrounding him after what happened with the Mexico national team. He needs to get back on track. Uh, but it is a club that he, he was obviously massively successful with um, earlier in the decade. So... Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, but to be honest, Dave, I don't have massive, massive high hopes uh, for so
0: either of those two are
2: going to do great things next in the club
0: soda. I know, you're right. I know it might take <laughs> a little while yet. Uh, Chepo, to me, with Chepo, the hiring is not bad. It's just if it works, it's going to be awesome. If it doesn't, it'll be a quick, you know. I mean, how can you score 16 goals? To, I mean, that's Veracruz bad, not quite. But, I mean, how can you <laughs> score 16 goals if you're Toluca? I mean, that's just unacceptable. I, I know. No. I, I, you're an honest man, and I appreciate that because I want the truth, and that's all I care about. But it's 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 kind of ugly. I'm not going to lie. I don't think it's going to happen either with one tournament. You know, it's not going to turn around that quick.
2: No, but I mean, you know, with the with the way Liga makes the former, I mean, look at Morelia this season. I mean, they were so close to knocking out Club America yeah. with a squad that you look at the squad and you think there's no way that squad is competing even to get in the playoffs. And then to do what they they did knocking out leon and let 's not forget just going back to Cuca Champions League, Leon for me, you could make a strong argument that that was of the, the the team of two thousand and nineteen mm-hmm. I mean they might not have won the title, but they, re- they reached they were top of the regular season last season, second this time around, no team in league MX won more games than club Leon in two thousand and nineteen mm-hmm. so um but you know Morelia come and knock him out i mean that's that's league MX. you get these um you know, Necaxa as well. You, you look at how much they spend, how much Morelia spend, and all of a sudden they're mixing it with the big boys, you know, with the big spenders. And, yeah, uh, that's true. I don't know. For, for, I think for neutrals, that's that's the beauty of Liga MX. It still throws up, unlike a lot of European leagues, it does still throw up these these massive surprises. So you still got hope, Dave. To look at the final <laughs> maybe next next <laughs> next week. I love the know.
0: positivity. I appreciate ending on a positive <laughs> note, even though you, you did it through clenched teeth and i get that tom you're telling the truth and we always love tom marshall and talking with him covering liga mechis covering the mexican national team el tree and so much more at mexico world cup on twitter and espnfc tom thanks so much for the time buddy enjoy the club world cup and the final here coming up thanks very much dave and thanks for the invite you bet the great tom marshall here on soccer weekly a good friend of the show and an all-around good guy we really appreciate his coverage of uh, Mexico and the Mexican national team here on Soccer Weekly. I am Dave Denholm. We continue on Stoppage Time, still to come, right here in the home of world football in Southern California, ESPN LA 710. Soccer Weekly, ESPN LA 710. I am Dave Denholm. Oh, what a time we've had today. What a show it has been. It is flying by, but we still got something to bring to you. The greatest radio segment in the history of the world. It's Stoppage Time. What time is It's Stoppage Time. Yeah, Stoppage Time. It's it Time! Right now! Why do I whisper that every week like an idiot? I'm sorry. The great Mario Reyes, the host of Stoppage Time and the producer of this show and of ESPN LA's coverage of LAFC joining me now. Hello, Mario.
3: Man, it's been a fun show, hasn't it, Dave? Yeah, we don't have much time for this segment today. we got to get right to it. Let's Let's go. keep it going. Let's keep it going. Let's talk about the most tweeted about sports teams in yes. 2019. Love and uh, coming in at number 10, we're going to start it off right here with the L.A. Lakers at number 10. You wow. Would think, you would think they'd be a little bit up higher on the list, but. Yeah, as soon as I 10. saw
0: that, it kind of, it kind of told me where the list is going. If yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, we all If the know. Lakers are 10th, we right. know where the list is going. Coming in at number
3: nine, Flamengo. Oh, Ajax of at number eight. Number seven, Manchester City. Number six, Juventus. Number five, PSG. Number four, Liverpool. You kind of see the theme going on yes, here, right, <laughs>
0: exactly. If the Lakers are 10th, we knew where this was going. Who are the top three, Mario? The
3: top three. Coming in at number three, Manchester United. Yeah, okay. Yeah, big team. Uh, I believe that. Coming in at number two. Real Madrid. Yeah. Okay. I think I know where number one's gonna
0: be. Number one, Barcelona. Wow. 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 Even with, even with like, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving Real Madrid, the power of that brand. Oh yeah. Still huge. And of course, Juventus, you know, high up on that list, but amazing the lakers sneaking in at number 10 there what a what a well, that's pretty telling that's pretty big mario that is big what about the most tweeted
3: about male athletes in 2019 we got time for this <laughs> yeah does it does it kind of go the same way though kind of sort of kind yeah. sort of, of. sort number 10 antonio brown oh number nine kaisuki honda okay okay <laughs> i like that number eight Kylian mbappe
0: yes makes number sense
3: seven Tom Brady. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. okay,
0: so a little bit of a different look on this list. That's interesting,
3: yeah. Number six, Kobe Bryant. Wow. Okay. When did Kobe play last? Ten years ago? Right, right. And this one here, number five, kind of shocked me too. Kawhi Leonard? Okay. Yeah,
0: well, with the championship, I guess that makes sense. Okay. They won, right? Yeah. And, and all the drama f- that surrounded him with where was he going to go? Okay. True. I-
3: that's what it was. Number yeah. four here, LeBron James. Yeah, okay. And, it, but If he's at number
0: four, it's kind of like the Lakers at 10. I right. think we know where the list is going.
3: Yes. Yeah. We're going down to the top three now here. This is number three, Cristiano Ronaldo. Okay. Right. I, well, I would have thought he was second, but I, I believe you, yeah. Number two, Messi. Ah, uh,
0: wow. Who's number one? Who's number one, right? Neymar coming oh, in wow. at number one. Wow. wow. Interesting. Great stuff as always. That's a great list. Check it out. Uh, you can find it on Twitter. I am Dave Denholm. He is Mario Raitt. This is the home of world football in Southern California. If you miss anything, you can podcast it. If you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter, at TalkSoccer. Soccer Weekly, right here on the home of LAFC, ESPN LA 710.